going to enter into the teaching of the word of the Lord this morning. Something dropped into my heart. I was planning to go a different direction and the Lord dropped something here in my heart. So if you would go with me to the book of Psalms, I want to read a uh, one scripture out of the book of Psalms. It seemed like we've been there a little bit lately, but I think it's okay. The Lord quoted out of the book of Psalms more than any other place, so if he can go to the book of Psalms, so can I. Amen. So Psalms 107 and verse 9. Psalm 107 and verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. He satisfies the longing soul. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And he fills the hungry soul with goodness. And of course, we've got to go to the New Testament, Matthew 5, Beatitudes. And you know which one we're going to, Matthew 5 and uh, 7, is it? 6. And Jesus in the Beatitudes saying, the blessed is, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And really, uh, the tense here is that they are hungering and thirsting. I think King James Version says, they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're blessed because they shall be filled. Let me preface that. Not everybody's going to be filled. You can have a whole congregation of people. Not everybody's going to be filled. Even though it is available, it's present, it's only those that do hunger and thirst are going to be filled. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So this morning, I hope that you are just opening your spirit, hungry for the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus, we come to you now, and again, we thank you for your word. It's a light guide. It is our textbook, Lord, of our life. Lord, I try and form my life, and we all, after your word. And we just ask you now that it would it would just reach into our spirit this morning. Help us to see your favor, your goodness that you would fill us with. And we ask you, Lord, to touch every heart before we leave out of here this morning that every life would be challenged by the word of the Lord. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He satisfies the longing soul. So I want to do a little exegesis on that. He, the question would be who? And we know who, but the first verse says, give 
thanks and glory to the Lord. We've been talking about this, and, and I believe I finished last week reading a psalm that says the Lord. And we know in the Old Testament when it says the Lord, that really the translation of that is Yahweh. It's Yahweh God. But when we slip over into the New Testament and follow the prophetic voice of the Lord, we find out in Philippians 2 that it says that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so now I can go back into the Old Testament, and even though it was an old time and they couldn't do this because they could only look into what was ahead, I can go back into the Old Testament, and now when I read the Psalms, I can put in place there, so it's not just the Lord vaguely. It's not just a God out there somewhere. It's not just a Hebrew God. But I can read into that where it says, Lord. And so this verse, who is it that satisfies the longing soul? He. And who is he? Give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah. He's the one that fills. He is the one who satisfies. He satisfies. This simply means to fill with satisfaction, to have plenty, to have even just a little more than enough, to satisfaction. I don't know about you, but one of our problems, uh, my problem personally, I continue to eat after I'm full. It's not good. Uh, that is not going to help your body shape at all. And I find that getting older, you, you even have to look at that a little bit closer. And, and, but I'm satisfied, but yet mm, I, just, I just want to eat just a little bit more of that. It tastes so good. And so this word here that he satisfies is not only that he just gives you just enough to get by with, but he gives you enough to satisfy and fill completely to have plenty. And then it is satisfying the longing. The longing is, it's, it's a word that means a craving, a, a strong desire that, that I really, really want something. I'm, I'm longing after. I think we sing a song, Lord, I'm, I'm longing after you, and, and it's a term that we kind of understand, but it is that craving in our heart. It's something more than just a small desire, but it's something that can even create just this aching in our spirit. We are longing for a certain thing, and so he satisfies the longing soul, and the soul here obviously is that living, breathing person that God made in the beginning from Adam. He makes Adam a living soul, and you and I have this soul within us. Now, if we go to the New Testament, the, the soul in the Old Testament is a little bit different than the soul word in the New Testament, which basically can mean just a little different, but it connects the spirit in the Old Testament. And so we understand that as being that, that area or that thing that can hunger after God. I want you to know that your flesh will never hunger for God's things. 
Somebody said, I don't like to pray. Yeah, I don't either. I don't like to fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you this morning. I don't like fasting. I never will. The mind of the flesh, we go to Romans 8, the mind of the flesh can never come into conformity of the Spirit of God. So he deals with something stronger than just this mental capacity of ours and the feeling of ours and gets to our spirit, our soul, and there's something in there that hungers after God. And so he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry with goodness. I'm going to have to talk about goodness a little bit this morning because of some of our perception of goodness, but when we're talking about God's things, and we're talking about scriptural things, and we're talking about the satisfaction which he brings, that's not going to come in the form of flesh, because we're not dealing with the flesh here, and so uh, a new car is not going to be the the goodness, satisfaction that God is going to do in your life. I like new jobs, and Recently, we've had several that got new jobs, and that's a great thing, but, but that is not the satisfaction that God is going to do in your life. That's not filling the hungry soul with goodness. See, there's a contingency on what we hunger for. The things of the flesh, they, they allure to us, they draw us, and if you've never had, you know, what the 10% has, there's always this, like, I would like to know how it feels to live like the 10%. It's just something in us that, that drives us in that way, but it's called the flesh. But I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about something better than what God can do in your flesh. You can get a new car this morning. In a few years, it's going to wear down. The tires are going to get bad. And then um, the registration is going to come due. Things are going to start to fall apart and come off and get broken. You might back the thing into a tree. I did that. But that doesn't satisfy your soul. I'm just If I could just get something more, I would feel better about myself. If I don't like the condition that I'm in, and, and I'm, I'm really, God, I, I know that you hear, and I know that you understand, and I know, God, there are those that are teaching and preaching constantly about God supplying physical things and physical uh, desires. And so the, one of the misconceptions in Christendom right now is that you pray for what you desire and God's going to give it to you. You say, well, pastor, that is very close to a scripture that says when you pray what things you desire, uh, God's going to, but I want you to preface that in, put it in context, when you pray, not when you're out looking to feed the flesh. Not when you're out wanting things. When you pray. I found out that when I begin to pray and the Spirit of the Lord comes in and, and we begin to, begin to commune with Him, 
We no longer are desiring the things of the world. We're desiring something else. And that's what I'm talking about this morning, that the flesh wants to satisfy the flesh. The flesh wants to get God to satisfy the flesh. But at the same time, God is saying to his church, he's saying to every individual one of us, there's something that will satisfy the longing in your soul. There is something that will satisfy the craving, the hunger, the thirst that's down inside of you and it won't be something physical. The teaching that says to us keep praying that God will give you things that you're going to have the best and you're going to have the good and that kind of praying that kind of teaching gives us an unfulfilled feeling in our spirit we never feel fulfilled we live in a state of discontent and live in a state of wantonness and wantonness is just always looking for something other than what you presently have to satisfy the unfulfilledness in your life But I just feel like that, man, there's, there's just something better. But here I am. But, but there's something better. It's it just I'm wasting my life. I'm unfulfilled in my life. I'm discontent in my life. I'm discontent where I am. I'm discontent in my job. I'm discontent with my wife. I'm just, we heard a song here, and I don't know who sings it, George Strait or somebody, saying, I hate everything. He said, I hate my job. He just went on a whole list of everything that he hated. Just total discontent. And we could be Christians sitting in the house of God, and that discontent can be brewing inside of our spirit that, that if I just had something else, not this, this is no good. This, this isn't worth anything. If I just, God, get me to something else, and I'll be content. And I want to tell you this morning that God has got something to change that attitude in your heart that he wants to fill. He wants to satisfy the longing and desire that is inside of your spirit. And you say, man, I've known a number of people who have left their spouse believing, it's a lie, but believing that somehow their life is going to be more fulfilled if they can get away from the spouse that they have and get somebody else. But that is not where fulfillment is. Can you say amen? You might think that life would be better. You might think your problems will go away if you get a different relationship in your life. You might think that you'll feel better, and for a time you will. And for a time it'll feel right and it'll feel good, but you'll drop right back into the discontentment in your life. And some men and some women go from person to person to person and are married over and over and over and will never find the right spouse because they are content, discontent rather, not with the spouse, but with their self. Let me repeat that old story about the preacher who, they were heckling him in the church. Felt like they weren't agreeing with him. And he grew discontent in that church. 
resigned that church and tried out for another one, took another church, and a few months later, he began to feel that same thing again. People resented him. People, people not liking him and, and getting discontent again. And then went to another church, and the same thing happened, and he suddenly realized that it wasn't the people, it wasn't the church, it wasn't the place, it was him that was discontent. And God needs to take that discontentment in our heart and reroute that and redo that in our life. Jesus gives us the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, his problem was that he was discontent to be in the father's house. There was just life out there he was missing. He didn't know what he was missing, but he was missing it. And so the prodigal son took all that he had when he got of age, and he took what he had, and he went out to see what the world had to offer him. And really, it was all about discontentment. The elder brother, was he was fine. He was perfect. He stayed right in the father's house. He loved the father. He loved the place. He loved the farm, whatever it was. He was there to be a part and, and, and to support his dad and all of that thing. But the young man was discontent in his spirit. And I would say this to young people this morning. You may be discontent in your spirit. You may think that the world is going to fix that discontentment in your life. But it will get worse and worse and worse to the place that nothing will seem to to fill that void that's in your heart. There is only one satisfaction in this life, true satisfaction, and that is what God can fill and put into your spirit and that relationship in Christ Jesus. Amen. I have this question. I, I don't understand why people are willing to ruin their life, willing to ruin their family, willing to ruin their future, just to take on the life of drugs and alcohol and, and all that goes with that. And I, I don't understand that concept, but, but really at the crux of it, they're unsatisfied and they're unfulfilled in the life that they're in. They don't really like the life they have. If they can get out of this life, if that takes drugs and alcohol, if that's what it takes to get away from the discontent that's in my life. But let me tell you this, the more you drink, the more drugs that you do, the more discontent that you are, until finally the place you are in total disaster and ruin in your life. And all the time, God was offering a fulfillment in your life. Think of the man Solomon, the preacher, the preacher. You all know that Solomon was wise, that Solomon had all means. God gave him not only wisdom, but he gave him honor, he gave him glory, he gave him riches, he gave him, God gave him, uh, let's say a wife, and he added 799 to that. But this man had it all. There was nothing that was not accessible to him. When he got up in the morning, it didn't matter what he wanted, what he wanted to do that day. It was all available to him. And then you open his book that he wrote later on in his life, before his death, writes this book of Ecclesiastes called The Preacher. And if you open that book, what you begin to see is a man who had everything, but yet was vexed in his spirit with it all. 
vexation of spirit and vanity of vanities. All things are vanity to me and everything that I have seen is nothing but vanity. I've looked at them working out in the field and it's vanity. I've looked at them down in the town doing their thing and it's vanity to me. And I have seen the women and it's vanity to me. And money and riches now have become vain and vanity to me. Power is nothing but vain. You go to the grave where you came out of. You go back to the earth from which you came and everything is vanity. What's wrong with him is that he's had all that the earth and the world has to offer and he forgot. He forgot that his goodness needed to be filled by the Almighty and so he looked for goodness in the world and he could not find that goodness in the world. His labor, even his sleep, his pleasure, his relationships were all tainted with vanity and vexation of his spirit. But listen to what he read in the, uh, wrote in the 12th chapter and 13th verse. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of the existence of mankind. Boy, that seems easy. That seems like, man, that's just, that's just one thing we have to do. Well, two things. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Well, pastor, you're telling me that if I do that, that, that I'll have the fulfillment in my life? That's what Solomon said after a life of running after the world. After a life of enjoying the pleasures of the world, his conclusion was, you've only got one thing to do as a man, and that is to fear God and to keep his commandments. And if you fear God and keep his commandments, there's this thing about fullness that's going to come into your life. And you may not understand really right now where you sit, how God could fill your life when things have been so empty for you, when it seems like that you've tried things and they haven't happened and you've had disappointments in your life, you've had failures in your life, and here I sit this morning and I'm not content and I'm not happy, but it feels like that I'm discouraged. It feels like this morning that nothing seems to be fitting in place in my life I've got an answer for you this morning and I want you to stop looking out there I want you to stop looking at circumstances I want you to stop looking at the world and get your eyes fixed on the one this morning who can do something in your spirit it's your spirit that needs ministered to not your flesh, not your mind it's your spirit that God needs to fill inside of you Luke, the 10th chapter and the 28th verse. And Jesus said to this man, you have answered rightly. Do this and you shall live. This man came to him asking him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord turns the question back on him. And says, what does the scripture say? What, what does the law say? And it says this in Deuteronomy. It says, love the Lord, Jesus Christ, your God, from the whole of your heart, from the whole of your soul, and from the whole of your strength, and from the whole of your mind, and love your neighbor 
as yourself. Now let me translate this just a little bit because we've always read it with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. But it uses a word here in the Greek that is means whole. It's transliterated whole, holos. And it means the sum of the parts. Now I want to look at this for just a second because there's a lot of parts in our life. There's a lot of things going on in us. We don't just sit in the church and we're just going to sit here. We're going to play some songs and worship all day, every day, and we're going to hear preaching, and that's what we're going to do. We're just going to live in the church. No, we don't. We don't live here. We live out there. And so there's all these parts of our life. I've got parts of my life, and you do too. I have, I have a job. Many of you have a job. I have children. And you have children. I have grandchildren. I have a wife. And I have my dad that we that lives with us, we take care of. And we have just many, many, many parts of my life. But when I collect the sum total of those parts of my life, it is that I must, before everything else, and including everything in my life, I must love the Lord God first in my life. He's got to be over all the parts of my life. And if the Lord is over every part of my life, then he's over the whole of my life. If I collect all those parts and pieces and I don't keep those away from him, then he collects those together and he can say, I am Lord of your total life. Can you say amen? I'm Lord of your heart. You love the Lord with all of your heart. Your heart is your belief system. And it's not just enough just to love him with the belief system. There's a lot of people say, I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but it's not enough. He adds to that your soul, your soul, which is your desires and your emotions. And I have desires and emotions. I have certain things that we like to do, certain things and relationships that we have with our children and family and all those desires and emotions. But the Lord is still number one over those things. Come on, say amen. And when he's number one over that, then my strength, my strength, my physical efforts, my labor, what I do as a man, how I conduct myself in work and, and obligations that I have, just my physical body, my strength, and I use all my strength. And, and out of that strength, I look at that and say, the Lord is first over the physical effort of my body. And then there is this mind of mine that processes all these things that go on in my life. And this mind, it, 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 it goes through a series of, of different things every day. And, and we can look at it sort of... You know, as that, as that thing, that computer, and it comes through and processes. And so it's continuing to process. And all day long it's processing and reasoning and thinking. But if God is over my mind, then I collect all the pieces of that thinking and say, God, there's some things that came through my mind today that I didn't want to come through my mind. But you collect them now, and you be God, Lord, over the whole of my life. Can you say that? And then you love those who are near around you in the proximity of you. And you be content. It's hard for me to love others if I'm discontent. It's hard for me to love the Lord if I'm discontent. It just seems like 
There's a roadblock when I'm discontent. And all I'm thinking about is getting content again. Just feeding myself so I can get content. But the Lord's got a better plan for your life. Listen to this. Luke, the third chapter and the 14th verse. And I don't know. The Lord knows more than me. But Jesus said, be content with your wages. Wow. That's a tough one, right? Be content with your wages. 1 Timothy 6, 8, it says, Having food and clothing, let us therewith be content. Now, I know that's not going to work for the women. Just a dress. You can only wear one at a time, right? But you need 20 or 30, 40, 50. I don't know what the limit is. And shoes and and now, now, now let, me, let me qualify this. Let's go on here. I don't want to pick on just the women. I think the, the men folks do that too. In Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 11th verse, I have learned that in whatsoever state, that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now, you know, I know that King James Version put that state in there. Because it doesn't actually mean like the state of California. And there's a lot of people around us. A lot of people have, have, have said, you know, the state of California is going crazy. We've got to get out of here. Well, but, but I'm talking about being content this morning wherever you are. The Hebrews, the 13th chapter and the 5th verse says, Set your way of life without loving money, being content with the present things. And here's the answer. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Now, now I want to I give you this, this word content here because it, it really means a little different than what you think. If I'm content, then, okay, I'm happy. Everything's good. I feel right. But that's not what this word actually means. This word actually means to ward something off. And let me tell you what you're warding off. You're warding off discontentment. When the Lord says be content, you're warding off those things that would come into your spirit and cause you to be discontent, cause you to not enjoy life where you're at. And, and this is not an indictment against advancement in your life or trying to better your conditions. Scripture encourages hard work and reward. You work hard with your hands, and there's a reward for it. It's, this is what I'm saying this morning. By being content with your wages, the Lord's not saying if they're paying you five cents an hour, you just stay there and keep getting five cents an hour. It's good for you. What he's saying is, that's where you're at. That's what's going on. Ward off discontentment in your life. Something better is going to come along the way. And then when you get to that better, you're going to be content and pleased and dwell in that. So if you're making five bucks an hour and then you go to seven, now I can think about this when I was a kid. When I first went to work way down at the gas station and they gave me two bucks an hour, I thought I was just, I thought that was it. Two bucks an hour, a lot of money an hour. And I'm out there pumping gas, but... But then I suddenly realized that when I was about to get married, two bucks an hour wasn't going to work. 
And so I'm looking for something better, right? I'm looking for an advancement there, and then, you know, we're making four bucks an hour, five, six, seven, ten, you know, and, and it's just escalating, and I would call it the blessing of the Lord, but being content wards off the discontent in your life. In other words, I'm here, but I don't like being here. And the Lord said, no, you're here, and you be content with what God has done and is doing in your life right now. Things may change. Opportunities may come up. But I'm going to be content exactly with what God is doing in my life. And if I don't take that posture in my Christian life, I will go throughout my Christian life being discontent with a lot of things. And so I have to say this morning, I am blessed and I'm content with what God is doing in my life today. Tomorrow's another day. Jesus said, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. But right now, God deal with the discontentment in me so I'll realize that nothing happens good unless you begin to fill me with the contentment of God about where I'm at, what I'm doing, what's going on in my life, the wife that I have, the children that you've given me, the body of Christ. You've been so good to me, God. I've got to be content where I'm at. Can you say amen? And so the scripture reads this way. Set your affections on things above. But I always want to set my affections on things of the earth because it's natural. It's a natural thing for me to want to love stuff and use people instead of loving people and using stuff. It just, that's the way we are. We love our things. You might have some things that are precious to you. Um, Rodney last night was showing my, my little Bible that I got. And I mean, uh, years and years ago, 270 years ago, roughly, we had a relative that was a Bible printer, and somehow we found, Kay found this Bible that he had printed, and I've got this little 270-year-old Bible sitting up there on my desk, and I mean, it means something to me, and you know, but really, really doesn't mean anything to my spirit. I mean, and you have things that, that may have been handed down to you, and, and they're valuable to you. They may seem like, but, but really it doesn't help my spirit at all if I set my affections on the things of the earth. And you might like, you know, certain things about what you do and, 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 and the, the traditions and customs of your family and all those, but we don't set our affections on those things because we set our affections on things above. Not on things of this earth where the rust and the moth begin to begin to decay it and thieves break through and steal. About the time that you think you get something that's so important and then wham, a thief breaks through and steal. Just the other day, 
they, we heard some commotion down at the end of our street, a guy racing a car in the middle of the night and, and took off out of there. Wow. And we find out, Ronnie went down there the next morning and found out that the guy had stopped over at the Gaia Hotel, had had this, this car that he'd always wanted, $150,000 kind of a race car, and, and he had it in a trailer, and they stole the trailer and stole the car. And listen, anything that you have can be taken from you, and that's why we don't set our affections on things on the earth. But if everything was stripped from us, look at Job. Everything in his life is stripped from him, including his children. And he goes out on the ash heap and says, I will bless the Lord. Because they couldn't take out of him what satisfied him in his spirit. Amen. And so let's get to this promise. Blessed are those hungering and thirsting after righteousness, for they should be filled. Filled and fed and satisfied with righteousness. Do you ever wonder what righteousness is about? It, the, the term itself, the English rendering of the Greek word seems to satisfy it. Those things that are right but it's what's deemed right by the Lord and that which carries God's approval. That's righteousness. And so he satisfies us and fills us with righteousness. Now, Lord, that's the, that's the last thing I need right now. You know, I'm in this old crummy house. I, I've got bills stacked up to there. And I just can't think that righteousness is going to help me here. No, righteousness may not pay your bills, but it'll satisfy your soul. So that you're not up all night biting your fingernails and, and, and uh, going into panic and, and upset and distress. Because I want you to know this, God is with you. The promise is, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so that means that if everything piles against you, if everything goes wrong in your life, we still have a place where satisfaction is. And that is, get in the house of God and find out there I went to the house of the Lord to see the beauty of the Lord. And I got in his place and something happened in my life. And so he satisfies with righteousness the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. One of the things that the Lord does in our life, he is the great baptizer of his spirit infused into us. And that spirit of God it's not about eating and drinking and things that you wear. And it's not about cars that you drive and houses you live in and jobs that you have. For the kingdom of God is not eat and drink. But the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit of God. And so I say this morning, I have said many times, I don't care how you got here.
You might have got here in a, in a nice fine car. You might have got here uh, on a bicycle. You might have walked here. But the point is you got here. And when you got inside, it didn't matter how you got here because God is going to do something for you just like he's going to do for everyone else in this building. And he's going to satisfy that longing that's in your soul, that hunger and desire for God that's in your heart that got you here. And he's going to satisfy that thing down inside of you so that when you leave out of here it doesn't matter if you're walking it doesn't matter if you're riding a bicycle it doesn't matter if you're going out of here in a great car because the satisfaction which God brings isn't about that stuff can you say amen and so I have to put my glasses on and read this carefully let me speak to you individually right now this is kind of a little bit of a different sermon than we usually preach, but are you dissatisfied with life as it is? It's only a question that you can answer in yourself. Are you dissatisfied with life? You can look on TV and they've got a fix for everything. Oh, they got the fix. What you deserve is this product or that product or that medication. I told Kay after seeing the flex tape commercial, we don't need to buy a trailer. We can build a trailer out of flex tape. You could do anything with it. There's something to satisfy you. And you notice that, that those commercials that are going on there and tell you how good of a life, they, they're real quiet about that you're going to have fits of shaking. You're going to have, you know, uh, increased vomiting, um, all kinds, of, and maybe death. They're kind of slow on that. They don't tell you that real good because they're going to fix everything that you need in your life. And so you just take another pill. That's going to bring me contentment. Are you discontent with the life that you're in? Let's get you another pill. The funny thing about that is that you can't buy those pills. They have to be prescribed by your doctor. So they're advertising them there on TV, and, and, and it's, a, you know, you can't even buy them. But it's going to make your life so good. If you can just have another pill, and it's just, oh, man, you talk about things People running and jumping over things and so happy and, and because their life was so discontent. And now they got a pill that's going to just bring them into joy. Find out later that it ruined some other part of your body. Ruined your mind. That it's not the answer. Are you dis dissatisfied with life as it is? I wouldn't suggest that you go that direction. You need a fulfillment. You might say, young people, you might say this morning, you know, I just feel like that, that I've got to do something and I've got to have this special thing get done in my life in order to fulfill what I feel the worth of my being is. And so we go to these conferences and they'll talk to you about self-worth. I want you to feel better about yourself. And you are a good person. And we just want you 
to feel like that you're favored and everything's good with you and you walk out of that thing and say, well, I feel better about myself, but really my needs and my disappointments are still there. I'm discontented with things the way they are. I don't feel fulfilled. I'm 60 years old now and I've never done nothing. And I wanted to be a brain surgeon and all I'm doing is nothing. And I'm discontent with life. It just doesn't seem to have fulfillment for me. Here's one. Do people and places and things irritate you? I'll have to admit that, that I've been on that list a time or two. And people and places and things just seem to irritate me. You know what's wrong? The people and places and things. No! Got some discontentment working in my life. And so everybody else is bugging me. And being here is bugging me. And things are bugging me. Everything is bugging me. If people would just drive the way they should. If they just, I mean, I don't know. They're just so awful. People around me, they're so dumb and stupid. And here it is, I get back into prayer and you find out, no, no, wait a minute, hang, hang on, hang on. Contentment, driving away the discontentment in your life. You can't love people anymore. You can't take people close to you anymore because people are no good. No, it's because we're discontent about where we're at, disappointed in life. And you need a fresh scenario in your life and you need a new outlook in your life. And so if I could just get to a fresh thing in my life, it's going to be so much better, but it's only going to be fresh for a little bit because the discontentment's going to come right into it. And now I'm back at the same place again. And I've been there and you've been there, and so I'm, I'm hitting a nerve this morning. I'm not preaching to the world this morning. I'm preaching to the church. So where am I going to find newness and freshness and a new scenario in my life? Where, where am I going to get that from? If I could just remove myself from everything that has to do with my life, I know it will be fresh and new, and, and then I'm still, I'm still in the same place. Let me ask you, does the future worry and stress you out? We have some legitimate things to worry about in our country. Can you say amen? There's some stuff that's going wrong. There's some administration that being done that's really not going the right direction for us. Does it begin to stress you out and begin to feel like it's closing in on us? Government's closing in. Rules and laws. Now, they're starting to take away our freedoms and liberties and it's closing in on us. And I want to say this about that. There's not one single thing you can do about it. You've already been to the ballot box, whether they took your vote or not, whether they changed it or not. 
There isn't one single thing you can do about it except stress yourself out. And with that comes all the discontentment again. If we're living in the shadow of discontentment, it's hard for us to see the light. God's got something so glorious and so good and so full and so real. Life, real life. Jesus told that man, he said, if you do these things and live by them, you're going to find life. And so I encourage you every Sunday morning, I get up in this pulpit and I begin to preach to you about the one who gives life. It's not the, the government out here. It's not the paycheck coming to you. It is the one who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. It's the one who took your life out of a dark place, out of a, out of a deep pit, David said. He took me, he dug me up out of a deep pit out of there and he put my feet on the solid ground and so this morning I know where my help comes from my help comes from the Lord my help my success my future my contentment doesn't come from stuff doesn't come from the world my help comes from the Lord oh amen oh amen and that rings so true in our heart. That Lord, my grandchildren, which I fear for the future for them, I've got one single hope for them, and that is that God is going to fulfill their lives. So we walk in tomorrow knowing that, Lord, things may not be exactly perfect for me, but I have got the peace of the Lord. I've got the rest of the Lord. I've got the joy of the Lord, righteousness, peace, and joy in my life. And I'm not going to allow that. And that's the wall that we put up so that discontent does not get in our life. God, keep us out of the place of discontent. I love what you're doing in my life. I love living. Can somebody say amen? I love that we came to the house of the Lord this morning. And we got up and we sang praises to our God. I love it that God has given us favor and that we meet together. I love the brothers and sisters that are in this church. Thank you, God, for this very moment of strength and help and fulfillment in each one of our lives. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? But he has been on my side. But he has been on my side. Can the church say amen? I've been through some dark things. Anybody been through some dark stuff? Been through some trials that seemed like it was ringing you out. But I want you to know it's just another way to say this morning that Jesus Christ is everything. And when we say that he's all, he's that all contentment in our life. When we say that he's all, he's that one who fixes all of our trouble and all of our fears, all of our worries. It comes to collapse under his power and goodness in our life. Can you say amen? So you have a choice to let the empty feelings go and let the fulfilled feelings of goodness of God come in. So you have that choice. It's up to you. So no, I, I just, I feel good. You know, misery, 
Misery feels good to me. And for some people it does. I like misery. I want to let it go this morning. Can you say amen? I'm going to let go of it. Say, God, oh, Lord, you satisfy. Mm. Mm. Boy, I was thinking about a prime rib steak, you know. Okay. Satisfied 15 minutes. But the God I'm talking about satisfies today, tonight, when I get up in the morning, when I, when I come to rest tomorrow night, God is still satisfying. He satisfies the longing in my soul. He satisfies and fills me and makes me whole. He is the one who makes me worth what I am. Can you say amen this morning? It's not self-worth. It's not getting the right, right focus about how good I am. It is my dependency rests in the hands of Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, my God. He's going to determine it. He's going to put it together in my life, and I am yielding everything to his purpose and his cause in my life. Oh, goodbye discontentment. When I yield to him, it all begins to leave. What comes in? Thanks. I'm not going to stop right there. First verse, Psalm 107, give thanks. I'll tell you what makes discontentment go away. You begin to give thanks to the Lord. And God, I'm going to thank you in the face of it. I'm going to thank you in the face of things that don't go right. I'm going to thank you when people don't treat me right. I'm going to thank my Lord no matter what happens in my life because I know that when I thank him, fulfillment, goodness comes into my life and he satisfies the longing of my soul. Can you say amen this morning? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Say amen this morning. Give the Lord just a little bit of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Tom, Sister Debbie, would you come this morning? Would you bow your head with me? Because I know that in a congregation of this many people, that we've struck a nerve. You know, I just, it just, it just happens. See, Pastor, you know, I, I, I've just so long I've been, it's been a buddy to me that, being discontent is just like second nature. Yeah, I know, I know. But I want to encourage you to stand fast in the liberty where Christ has set you free. And so letting go of things behind. We just let go of things that are past. They seem to be discouraging and Bring on discontentment. No, I'm letting go of that this morning. I do this sometimes, and I'm just going to have you do it this morning. If you double up your fist.